Hey everybody, welcome back. It's your favorite shit show. You're back yes. for So <laughs> oh, same difference. Um, yeah, so Emily got COVID. Um, she quarantined for like 14 days because she got a negative test. I don't know why I'm talking about myself in the third person, but yeah, so it took me a while to get back to work, and then when I got back to work, I was super swamped. And it had me stressed out getting ulcers. So I decided to take an extra week so that way we can kind of relax. Therefore, it's been a month since you've heard our lovely voices. But we're back, finally. And before we get started, this podcast is brought to you by Eastern Crime Zone. In the realm of true crime, any quick Google search will give you millions of articles, films, and podcasts that you should check out. Some stories are the same with different voices behind them. You know, Ted Bundy, John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer, and the like. We often hear more about them than we do their victims. Now, let me ask you this. Have you heard of Phoebe Hanchuk, Ernie Ibarra, Terry Neely, well, if you haven't, you should hop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check out the victim-centric podcast, Eastern Crime Zone. Hosted by Cassie Millay, you can learn new details on cases you're familiar with and hear new cases you've likely never heard of. In the most recent episode, Justice for Erica Alonzo, Cassie personally worked with the Alonzo family after Erica's tragic death. No spoilers here. You'll have to go and give it a listen. For more information on Eastern Crime Zone, check out the Facebook page by searching for Eastern Crime Zone or over at the website at www.easterncrimezone.com. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your notepad, get settled in, and dive into a Cassie file with Eastern Crime Zone. Thank you, Eastern Crime Zone. Thank you. We appreciate you. All formalities aside, the story that we're going to be diving in today is that of Zona Hester Shoe, and it's a special one for West Virginia natives. Normally, when a murder victim helps to convict their killer, they do so via forensics. Zona Shoe went one step further when she returned from beyond the grave as a ghost and provided evidence that helped convict her killer. This is the story of the tragic young bride who would become known as the Greenbrier ghost. Spooky spook. (laughs) So, you know, not everyone believes in ghosts and stuff, so just take this at your (gasps) own. This is West Virginia lore. Get over it or hop on board because we're doing it today. Okay, (laughs) just who cares what you believe in? You're going to listen to this shit because we've been gone for a month. Exactly. We back now. So, jumping right in. Elva Zona Hester was born and raised in Greenbrier County, West Virginia in the late 19th century. She was known to her friends and family as Zona, and there's very little we know of her life before her murder, as little has been recorded, because again, it was the late 19th century. She was just a normal girl growing up in the small community of Lewisburg, and for those of you who are not West Virginia natives, Greenbrier County is just across the border from Virginia and about an hour from where we're sitting recording this episode right now. 
I recently went to Lewisburg over the weekend to celebrate a friend's birthday, and that's when I was told about how we needed to cover Zona Astoria on an episode. On another side note, Grimbrier Valley Brewing Company has a vit beer called Zona's Revenge, and I recommend you try it if you come across it. You will not be disappointed. So is this like lore, like Mothman and stuff too? No, this is a real girl. She's got a real grave. Okay. <laughs> I was just wondering. Yeah. Maybe lore wasn't the right word, but we're just going with it. Alright, so I have to have the Golden Girls moment. Sorry. Picture it. 1896. <laughs> Zuna works at a local tavern, which was a combination hotel, bar, and restaurant for travelers. Zona was said to be one of the most beautiful women in the area, and men would hit on her multiple times a day while she worked at the tavern. Ooh. Girl, girl. had it yeah. going on. Yes. So Zona didn't have time for those road-weary Romeos shooting their shots. She wanted a real man. A real man. Mm. Yes, please. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Zona had her eyes set on a blacksmith in town, Erasmus Edward Stribbling Shoe. Known to those who made his acquaintances as Trout. Trout. I wonder if he had a trout mouth. Ooh. Or maybe he was kind of scaly. Maybe he's been burned before. Ew. You know? Ew. So he looked like, you know. <coughs> real Mo. man. A real burl. That's a real man. <laughs> he's got some psoriasis slash third degree burn scar <laughs> tissue. Uh, no. So Edward had just moved into the area a few months before, and the two fell in love. Aww. And Zona and Edward began a tawdry love affair, and in 1897 they wed. I just imagine it being like, they had such a tawdry love affair. I don't know why, but that's the way they talk. <laughs> so anyways, life was great for Zona and Edward after their wet. I don't know why I just stuttered. After their wedding, well... Except for Zona's mother. Mary Jane Hester absolutely hated Edward and begged Zona to leave the young blacksmith. Zona, being the headstrong and independent woman she was, refused to leave Edward. Refused to... What? (laughs) What's happening? Did you have a stroke? I'm dying here. Uh, She refused to leave Edward just on the wishes of her overbearing mother, which... Hashtag rude. The relationship between Zona and Mary Jane deteriorated, and as soon as Zona afterwards stopped visiting her daily like she wanted her to, and the strained relationship hurt Mary Jane, and she begged her daughter to reconsider, but to no avail. Zona also stopped coming into town as often as she once did, with many believing that Edward didn't like her to be out and about. Alright, so she got herself a real man that her mother hates who keeps... Her at home, probably like the whole traditional, you know, barefoot naked type of... Exactly. I mean, barefoot like, pregnant, not naked. Your man is supposed to go out into the streets and bring home that bread that you then use your bologna and make him a sandwich for when he gets home. That's the way West Virginia men want their women. Unfortunately, it's not practical. No, you can't survive off of one. Even in West Virginia, the cost of living is increasing and it takes two people to do the damn thing. So, there she was. But she wanted a real man. She wanted a real man. Real burly trout man. (laughs) Now, there are several. 
several varying mm. accounts on this next part, with one saying that it was Mary Jane who sent a local boy, 11-year-old Anderson Jones, to the home that day, and others saying that it was Edward himself who sent the boy, saying that Zona was unwell. However, on January 23rd, 1897, Anderson was sent to the home to check on Zona. When Anderson arrived at the home, the door was ajar, and he slowly opened it to find Zona laying at the bottom of a staircase. Again, there are differing accounts as to how she was found. One saying that she had her hands folded on her chest, super neat, which if she fell down the stairs, that's not how you gonna look. Nah, homie, that's like how you look when you in the casket, not like when you was going down to get the laundry and you, and you tripped. Fell. Yeah, no. No. And the other account saying that she was face down on the floor at the bottom of the stairs, her legs together, one arm tucked under her and the other stretched out, her head twisted to the side at an unnatural angle, which to me that sounds a more, lot more likely. Yeah, more probable there. Exactly. Either way, Zona was dead. And Anderson fled the scene, running all the way back to Edward to tell him what had happened before running to tell his mother, who called for the local doctor, and the law was also called. Isn't that the way it goes, too? Like, something super, like, scandalous or dramatic or interesting happened, and people here in Wizard, they gotta tell everybody. Oh, absolutely. That's how everybody. it is. Everybody. One person hears something, they run with it. Mm-hmm. Anytime you call somebody, like, did you hear about so-and-so? His wife left him. He likes to wear women's dresses. Right? Like, okay. And then the next person is like, yeah, he likes to wear women's dresses. And he takes it up the butt. Yeah, and it's it just always keeps getting it's different. Always, it's it's the game of telephone. Exactly. Yep. So, Dr. George Knapp took around an hour to reach the home. This delay allowed Edward to get there before him, and upon his arrival, he discovered that the grieving husband had been kind of busy. He had carried Zona's body upstairs, wasting no time in washing and dressing her for her funeral in a high-collared dress and veil, which was apparently quite fashionable at the time, and this prevented the doctor from getting a good look at her face and neck. Edward was wailing like a banshee and cradling Zona's upper body and head. Dr. Knapp noticed what looked like bruising on Zona's neck, but any attempt he made to get a better look at her only seemed to distress Edward even more. So eventually, he just gave up. Mm. Dr. Knapp would initially put Zona's death down to an everlasting faint, (laughs) which is an old-fashioned and whimsical way of saying she'd had a heart attack. And for reasons unknown, he would later uh, change the cause of death to childbirth. There's no evidence that she was pregnant, though. But Dr. Knapp had been treating her for female trouble. Now, this doesn't mean she was pregnant, because in those days, female trouble could be anything from a headache to cramps. Wasn't it also when, like, if you gossiped and stuff, it was considered female trouble and a bunch of all those issues and... All female troubles. Anything that, like, men don't experience. Everything from a menstrual cycle to pregnancy. Which, I mean, men get headaches, but for whatever reason, headaches and cramps were just female troubles. It's terrible. What a life. (laughs) Now, if Dr. Knapp thought Edward's behavior was a bit extreme, it only got worse. Yep, you're reading that right. Okay. By cart, Zona's body was moved to Mary Jane's house for an open casket wake before her funeral. A final chance for her friends and loved ones to say goodbye. 
Edward refused to leave her side, especially the upper half of her. At the wake itself, he covered much of Zona's head with a pillow at one side and wadded up bed sheet on the other, apparently to make her look more comfortable. Ugh. So okay. he'd definitely just be like, no one can get near her head. I gotta plump it up, hide. Basically. Because it sounds like maybe they didn't use... Well, I mean, he did all the washing and stuff himself, right. so it's hard to say if, like they do now with makeup and... Exactly. You know, oh, yeah, they probably didn't really do stuff. any of that. So, now, folks in West Virginia and other places had a very odd custom during the 19th and early 20th centuries sitting up with the dead. Partly religious, partly practical. The idea was to lay the dead body out in their living rooms and the family would sit up with the dead person all night. The religious aspect was so the family could preach and pray over their dearly departed and the practical aspect was to make sure the person was actually dead. Uh, because in the 19th century, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of cases of people being buried alive with medical technology with medical technology virtually non-existent. It was impossible to tell if someone was in a coma or dead in specific instances. The folks figured that giving the body 24 hours to wake up was sufficient, so they all brought over a covered dish and stared at a corpse all night. Party. I think that's actually a... A custom still for people in New Zealand. There's people here that still do it. Oh, is there? Yeah, because I had an ex in high school. His uncle died. And I graduated in like 2011. Okay? So, my ex from high school, his uncle had died. And his grandma, like, I went over to pay condolences. I just, you know, brought me some uh, roast. And was like, sorry for your loss. Homie, his casket was in the living room. And I was just like, I am out of... Here. Well, I mean, I think people today still have, you know, funerals in the home and stuff. Mm -mm. You couldn't do it or you just know? No, I'd have, I couldn't live there. Oh. Absolutely not. Mm. I'm not going to have some dead person just like in my living room where I like to watch like Everybody Loves Raymond and George Lopez and stuff. And then thinking about dead Aunt Grace. She was just there like two weeks ago. No, I can't do it. But yeah, I definitely think there was a, um, like a funeral, like casket making TV show and the people were, I think were from New Zealand and that's something that they did. You know, the family would sleep mm. next to the casket overnight before it was burial and it was like their way of saying their goodbyes and I don't know all the custom to it, but mm -mm. I mean, yeah, I kind of think it's, it's a bit strange, but I'm not knocking it. You know, you do you. I can do it's it from not somewhere outside the home. That's like my safe place where I've got to relax, unwind, and go to bed. Not think about that. But yeah, so hard pass. That didn't know that was still a thing here. Yeah, like I said, and that was what? Oh, God. Whew. 11 years ago. Yeah. So anyways, all night people came over to the casket to pay their final respects People were meant to be able to view the body and say their final farewells, but Edward patrolling the coffin like a guard dog, not letting people get too close, and virtually chasing them away when they did. So it wasn't possible for them to truly give their goodbyes. Exactly. It was all quite bizarre to those who witnessed it, and people were already becoming quite suspicious. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I would 
be very suspicious of that. It's a little, little you acting a little finicky. Yeah, like why are you why are you being why are you being weird? Like can't nobody do nothing to her now. And that's already even, gone, Eddie. It's like not normal behavior for a grieving spouse. Right? Yeah. No, it's not. Like that Mm-mm. ain't shock. That's not Mm-mm. sadness. That's oh god, I'm scared someone's going to see before we get her in the ground. Right. Exactly. So, Mary Jane wasn't just heartbroken. She was filled with absolute rage. She'd never liked Edward and had objected the marriage from day one, as we had spoke about previously. Uh, Mary Jane refused to accept the verdict of a natural death. Everything Edward had done was off, from his behavior at the funeral to how he treated Zona's body. Preparing the body for burial wasn't the husband's job. It was traditionally done by the women in the family or community where they lived. It wouldn't have been done before the doctor had had a chance to check the body over either. There was also a chance that Mary Jane was aware that Edward had been married twice before, with the first wife divorcing him for being abusive and the second one having died under mysterious circumstances after he quote-unquote accidentally dropped a stone on her head while doing some work around the home. Now, I've got to interject this here because it's not funny, but it's just funny. Because in the notes, it said, like, I I added, like, doing work around the home. Because the the website said, he dropped a stone on her head while doing a DIY. And I'm like, what? (laughs) A DIY in 1897? Okay. Do-it-yourself project. I guess everything in 1897 was DIY. So, I mean, I guess it does fit. So, however... Suspicions alone weren't enough to get Edward arrested, and it looked like he was going to get away with murder. <clears throat> hmm. Hmm. However, Mary Jane would soon experience something that convinced her that her instincts were correct. Between the wake and the funeral, she managed to get close enough to the coffin to see Zona and remove the sheet at her head. It wasn't at all clean, it smelled very unpleasant, and had odd stains. Ugh. Despite her dislike for Edward, she approached him and attempted to return the sheet to him, but he told her that he didn't want it. Mary Jane decided that she would wash the sheet rather than throw it away. As she soaked it, the stain seeped out into the soapy water, turning it an unpleasantly bright shade of red and stained the sheet itself pink. Mary Jane took it as a bad omen and proof of her suspicions that her daughter had been murdered. But what could she do? Nothing. Not shit. Exactly. Zona had been buried and Edward had gone, probably intending on skipping town like he had when his last wife had died. A devoutly religious woman, Mary Jane, did the only thing she could think of doing. Pray. She prayed every night for four weeks. She prayed for answers, for Zona to give her some sign from the beyond, for anything that would help her bring Edward to justice. That's a lot of praying. Mm-hmm. A lot of heavy duty parties. And then, one night, Zona returned. Mary Jane began having terrible nightmares in the night of her daughter's funeral, and Zona's desperate and angry spirit would describe to Mary Jane how Edward had ended her life. She saw Zona walk into her bedroom and just stand and watch her. Zona would walk towards Mary Jane and point to her neck, pulling at the high collar of her fashionable dress. Mary Jane was convinced now, more than ever, that Zona had been murdered. This horrified Mary Jane, yet at the same time, brought her a sense of purpose. 
There was always the risk that nobody would believe her story. She stood to lose a lot if they didn't. Her reputation would be in tatters, her family would be a laughing stock, and there was the very real chance of being sent to a sanatorium. <clears throat> but to Mary Jane, these nightly visitations were all the proof she needed to drag her son-in-law straight through the courts and on to the gallows. It was a risk she was willing to take, and that's why when morning came, she marched into town and into the office of local prosecutor John Preston. Preston began an investigation immediately, starting by interviewing people who'd been involved in the case. When talking to Dr. Knapp, he hit gold, as the doctor finally admitted that he hadn't properly examined the body and explained why. This was all Preston needed to have Zono's body exhumed for an autopsy. And Edward was furious, strongly objecting to the situation. The local authorities dug up Zona's body, and the autopsy was performed by Dr. Knapp, and it quickly became clear why Edward had been so desperate to hide Zona's neck and face. Her windpipe was crushed, the bones broken, and the tendons mangled. The blanket and pillow had been needed at her funeral because the damage was so severe that her neck couldn't support her head's weight. Even though Zona had been buried for over a month, the bruises from Edward's hands still showed on her neck, just as her ghost had suggested Zona's death had been a violent one. Which is why the second account makes a lot more sense if her body was found at the bottom of the stairs in like a twisted, mangled position. Right, yeah, with her head not being... Right. Yeah, just... But you can't send a person to jail on a suspicion... On... Hmm... You can't send a person to jail on suspicions and a ghost story. But those autopsy results changed everything, and the case went to court on June 22, 1897. Edward was convinced that he'd walk free and pled not guilty. The defense tried to use the ghost story to get the case thrown out of court, questioning Mary Jane on her experience. All attempts they made to embarrass her or get her to back down failed. Mary Jane stuck to her story, changing nothing. Good for you, Mary Jane. Get it, Mary Jane. I'm That's telling right. you, sometimes you just gotta trust your gut feeling. I mean, even if she, like, maybe really didn't have her ghost appear to her, you know? Mm-hmm. She still had that, like, mm-mm, I ain't letting this go feeling. You could call it, like, mother's instinct. Call it whatever you want. Yeah. Listen to your gut. And so she Your was, intuition. Yeah, so she, you know, regardless of whatever it was, it put this course in action. Exactly. So, Edward was sentenced to spend the rest of his life locked up in the infamous West Virginia State Penitentiary at Moundsville, narrowly avoiding the hangman and a lynch mob that had formed outside. Only in West Virginia, y'all. That's pretty bad that, you know, you just narrowly miss. Oh, yeah, people wanted to kill him. And a mob. Could you imagine a mob now in West Virginia? Just. I mean... Rioting. Yeah. I don't know, though. I I don't feel like we would really be like that. Yeah, I mean... What are you talking about, sis? Not like... Not like mob in that old-timey way. I think if something happened... Like, I'm talking like, you know, like, pitchfork fucking... I don't think that's... Like, ready to kill somebody... Yeah, I, don't think I think it, was... it could happen for sure. Like if somebody oh, well. like in a small town, like somebody killed, like you see it all the time. Like, okay, for example, it's not West Virginia, 
But um, the West Memphis Three, how the people just knew without a shadow of a doubt that those three boys killed those kids in some kind of twisted satanic ritual. They sent innocent people to jail or prison, rather, for like 18 years. And they were fully convinced. And it wasn't until, you know, they were well over, you know, adult age that they were released from prison with like irreversible damage. And people really bought it. So, I mean, like, I could see, yeah, I could see something like that happening. Super easy. What am I talking about? There's a whole riot. There's a whole riot in the freaking prison in McDowell County recently. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. One of uh, my husband's guys got sent out there, and he's uh, he's from Monroe County. Yup. Yup. But no, like when I Ma- I mean, Moundsville is a perfect example. Moundsville is no longer open because a riot erupted within Moundsville. And the warden was, like, held hostage, and a lot of people died. Mm. Like, Mount Olive is Moundsville's kind of, like, replacement. I don't know. Just when I think of, like, a lynch mob, I think of, like, (laughs) old-timey pitchforks. Okay, okay. We're not going to be having torches and pitchforks wearing coveralls and straw hats. You're right. No, we all going to be out in here with guns. and. You're right. It's like a bunch of cartoons. There probably will be guns. Oh, absolutely. There will be guns. Yeah, there will be guns. Um, but yeah. Anyways. Anyways. Uh, uh, not only did the judge allow Mary Jane to testify about Zona's ghost visiting her, the jury deliberated the testimony of her ghost. That's very interesting. Yep. Because Mary Jane had to testify about the ghost, and I guess they used what happened in this dream or nightmare as the ghost testimony. So then they had to deliberate the two. The two, yeah. That yeah, it's wild. That's yeah, we're gonna take a ghost testimony and deliberate it. That's let's go. Hmm. Three years later the flu swept through the prison claiming Edward's life. <laughs> so haha, you got what you deserved. Like many serving sentences there, he was buried in an unmarked grave. No records were kept, so its location is unknown. Zona's is a different story. Not only is there a state historical marker near the cemetery where she's buried, but also a grave to visit if you are so inclined. Edwards was con- Edward was convicted based on autopsy evidence and the testimony provided by Zona from the afterlife. And West Virginia became the first and only state to send a man to prison based on the testimony of a ghost. So what do y'all think about that? It's strange, though, because wasn't there another case that we did? Maybe we didn't do it. Maybe I looked it up. But there was, like, uh, they were trying to find a missing person Mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. And all these psychics... From other states, we're getting all of these like yeah, you need we to look did here do in this one. area. It was who was that? It wasn't Patricia Stubberg in Richmond. It sure? was. I don't think so. I think it was another one. I can't recall. I don't either. But I mean, in a way, it's you know taking the testimony of a ghost and taking word of a psychic. 
I mean, I feel right. like that's only a West Virginia thing. We're like, we got Mothman. We ain't too far from believing a ghost. Right, yeah. But, I mean, then, like, look at the, the Long Island medium. Like, there's people like that everywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, but, anyways, as always, guys, hit us up on our Facebook if you like this episode. Um, this episode was... Uh, Requested by the lovely Janelle Mullins um, as kind of like a late birthday present for me. Um, I didn't didn't even really know about the case until she brought it to my attention last weekend. So, um, thanks for edumacating me and, uh, you know, allowing me to dig into something that I didn't know was a part of our history, which is pretty kick-ass if you ask me. Um... Like I say, hit us up on our Facebook page. We've got the Facebook, Instagram, the TikToky, the the Twitters. We got it all going on right now. Regular email. Uh, regular email. Yep. Two Jane Does at Yahoo.com. Feel free to shoot us a message or an email. Any platform, whatever works for you. Um, for any special requests or anything like that, as always, try and leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. You know, this is. It's been a long time coming. First episode back after a month. Um, and before you go, since you're already on Spotify or Apple, you should definitely search up Eastern Crime Zone. Um, it's a smaller podcast, which I mean, we're not big time either, but um, it's hosted by Cassie Malay. Um, it's actually quite good for like a one person like solo podcast. She does a really good job. I was listening to some episodes. Um, Go check her out. It's worth it. Be safe. Don't die. Bye. Peace out.